right, first off, I just want to point out what amazing place we're at right now. We're up in Park City, Utah, Little Archery Challenge. We've got my homies as usual, Trail Kreitzer, Chris Noble, myself, Brady Miller here, and we got the legendary, the legendary, Brad Brooks. Man, myth, legend, oh, Brad, golly. Brad, you, Brad. You guys are like making me blush already. They like to say he has the, the speed of a mongoose. <laughs> reflexes of the catch. That's not true. None of that is true. Yes, you know I like that one, Trail. I feel very inferior to all three of you guys here up on stage. No way. Impossible. Because this is why I wanted, like, we were talking earlier, like, what kind of conversations can we have with Brad? He's a man of many talents. So we can go a lot of different ways here. But I think the biggest thing we were talking about, like, none of us really know your backstory mm-hmm. and, like, how some of this stuff got started What's this passion? How do you found it to do what you do now to create just the gear you create? So I just want to oh, dive into like man. deep, deep backstory. Do you want to start you? like my childhood? Yeah, we're like, yeah, preferably. Do you want to talk about my dad and like issues we had? Like, any any trauma? Like, there's so much trauma. <laughs> um, Anything that led up to this moment? I want I want to know how this like this stuff right. comes in. Like right. why your love of adventure? Like all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, kind of, like, yeah. I think ties into your company like really well. What you do. I just want to. Yeah, yeah. Deeper above. You know, um, yeah, for sure. I'm happy to do that. Like, all, all jokes aside. Um, so, you know, I, we, we, I've always, like, you know, just, like, stereotypical, like, grew up hunting. And I, at some point along the way, like, just got really, like, fed up with seeing other hunters. And I was just like, man, I just want to, like, get away from everybody. And so I started doing this thing called backpack hunting, which at the time, I knew zero people that did it. Like, literally nobody I knew did it. And I had... I had like some gear, but I had to borrow gear. And so like I had a seven pound like North Face tent. It was like a two person tent that I used to carry around. And so I started doing that and I did it once and it was like miserable, like just like classic, like cluster, like it was heavy. Like I didn't even shoot anything. Um, and so I was like, man, I really want to, like I enjoyed that cause I didn't see anybody else. And I got, I saw a lot of game. So I want to try and do that some more. And so then I just like went like, you know, it's like off the deep end. And uh, me and some friends just like started really like trying to figure out like, how can we, how can we like, you know, go further and get away from more people? Um, it sounds like when I say it now, it sounds like that's what everybody's trying to do. But at the time, like I literally just did not know anybody who did it. There weren't, I didn't know, like there were like forums on the internet. I was totally oblivious to all of that. Um, so I just, it just felt like we were just doing what we wanted to do. Um, and that turned into just like really liking the adventure side of it too. So I've always enjoyed the adventure side of, of hunting and just life in general. Um, I have a lot of other like fun stories about things that, and then at the same time, you know, like I played, so I was doing that. Um, I, I played like college soccer and after that was done, I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life and got into like rock climbing and like big wall climbing and started. So I was like hunting and climbing all the time. And, um, you know, most of my, my mom never really knew, like, the kind of stuff I was doing, but... Um, Mine neither. Yeah. <laughs> Where are best. these guys at? Yeah. Um, but so, like, I, I enjoyed that. I think there's something about, uh, on, at least on, the, like, the climbing side of my life, like, I enjoy, you know, uh, you know, pushing, you know, pushing your limits and finding out what you can do. And, and you always, like, learn a lot about yourself. Um, doing that and I enjoyed the same thing about like hunting and doing things that seem really difficult in the moment but like you can do them like to me like I remember the first time we we, like we did a backpack hunt that was like 10 miles one way I was like man I don't think I could do that but let's try it out see how it goes and um, and then from there so you know you try and just like I was on this like personal just like trying to have fun trying to go hunting as much as I could 
And then um, at some point along the way, um, my, my business partner and I, we were, um, uh, so I was into hunting. I was doing all that, right? And it was totally personal. I had like, I was married, like had a, had a regular life. And then we were talking one time about just like content and, and how like we wanted to tell some stories that were like personal to us. And so then we started doing like, the, we, we decided to do like one piece of content. There was no like business plan. There was no like, we want to be a filmmakers. There was none of that. I wish I could tell you it was like thought through. It was not. It was like we had one thing we were going to do. I saw the best things in life start though. You know, like no yeah. real plan. And just kind of like every little step of that way just kind of works its way into there just to like to create something really cool. Yeah. How'd you come up with the name? Argali? Yeah. Um, Argali is just, you know, it's just like symbolism. It's a, you know, mountain hunting company. And Argali is just like species of sheep. It, sheep, you know, if there's a more iconic symbol of like mountain hunting and adventure than sheep like I, i'm a mule deer hunter at heart and i aspire to be a sheep hunter like brady um but i uh <laughs> mule deer <laughs> tried Jesus. hunting elk though <laughs> i said if you if you hunted elk though i've hunted I mean, elk, muleys yeah. are cool but yeah i mean i mean i'll hunt elk when i retire more you know what i mean uh for mule deer hunting but um but yeah anyway so like the film stuff like was how we got started and then it was like you know, I'm meticulous about my gear, and then I was like, let's, you know, we started with game bags, and it was like, wanted to make a game bag that was kind of made out of materials that I want, and I'm just very anal about those things, and then it just, like, spiraled from there, but, you know, again, like, the whole time, it was really just, like, one thing at a time, and it was never meant to be, like, what it is today, like, I never had that, like, purpose when we started it, um, so that's, that's kind of the backstory. So, so I think you said earlier that, like, you there was no one really doing this backcountry thing. And that's like kind of what drove you. I think now though, since what you have built, you can say backcountry hunting now is too easy. So we should yeah. we need to make like road hunting hard again. I think road, road hunting is the so new So that way, people, that way, that way people aren't gonna go back where I wanna I go. Know. Like you're just, you're creating more people to go out where I enjoy and then more competition. We need to tell people road hunting is actually the hard like adventure, really, really good time, a lot of animals near the road, like, Dude, oh, yeah, back. honest truth, honest truth, I think there's too many people backcountry hunting, or who, like, this is not, no BS, like, I know plenty of people, like, some of the best elk hunters I know don't backpack hunt, they don't, they're day hunting, at best, you know, a few miles from a road, and that's, like, God's honest truth right there. And I think a lot of times, too, like, I know, like, maybe you and Neville, or Neville and Trey, like, you can agree, like, a lot of times we go and we hike past animals a lot. Would you, would you agree? We just like think the backcountry sure. is the way to go, and we just go right past them. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can kill elk. You, know, you can kill elk close to the road. You can kill them deep. You can kill them in the in between. I mean, you you find. I mean, it's cliche, but you elk are where you find them, right? And I think ultimately, it just like depends more so on the experience that you're looking for, right? If you want to go out and grind it out in the backcountry, then and that's experience that you like. And I mean, you know, to, the adventure part of it, right? Yeah. And I think that's a big part of the reason why a lot of us hunt. It's not necessarily just to kill an animal, although you know, nothing is more exciting i mean it's the reason you're out there right and and you want to kill but like beyond that the older i've gotten the the adventure side of that you know the the nights out the living off your back the whole thing i mean that's part of the experience that i'm looking for it's not just to kill an elk although i do like killing elk i'm also the worst road hunter in history yeah i, I pack the exact same for a backcountry hunt as if i'm on the road hunting. How many times have we gone on some of those hunts where we're like slightly backcountry halfway through and we try to bring some like front country gear and we forget like silverware. We forget that we can bring a big pillow. There's no camp chairs. I'm sitting there eating Mountain House. I'm like, eating Mountain what House. are we doing? We're sitting at the truck. Why are we eating Mountain House? Yeah. I think there's, a, there's an art in trying to be prepared for that and we're just never going to be prepared for that because we're just backcountry minded focused fellas. 
I, I think that's true. I mean, like, I, so last time I hunted uh, uh, your home state, Nevada, I guess, uh, I, I went in, like, really far and had a great, had a great time. And uh, I didn't see anything that I would consider to be, like, a big buck. I saw a lot of nice bucks, but nothing, no monsters. And I got back to the trailhead, and here's, like, a, a local guy who hadn't been backpacking at all who had an absolute monster. Um, so, like, I had just hiked past, like, probably, like, you know, a lot of the quality deer. Just, and I had a good time. Like, it was the experience I wanted. But it's not like you're going to necessarily find bigger stuff just by going. And I feel like that's kind of the myth about, <laughs> about backcountry hunting. It's like, if you go backpacking, you're for sure going to find bigger stuff. It's, like, not true. Yeah. I think the, the only thing I ever find is, like, yeah, you don't find bigger animals, but you find animals that are just being animals on their own terms. Yeah. There's just no pressure. Yeah. They're just doing their th daily thing. They're just chilling. Like, you can watch an animal with no pressure and just work on them when you want to, where I feel if you hunt closer to a road, you're like, it's, it's kind of a war zone. Yeah, totally. You have to, like, those animals that react differently. They're more nocturnal. They're just doing whatever they do on a daily basis. But it's just, like, different animals. Almost two different species when you talk about, like, that front country animal to a back country animal. But I don't know. So you started, your, is your background in, in what? What did you go to school for? Uh, environmental economics and business. Okay, did you ever, I mean, did you ever think that you would be within this industry, this no. space? Nope. And even if you had asked me like five years ago, if I'd be in this industry, in this space, I would have said like, no, nah, probably not. Yeah. Like no intent, thought, like I, it sounds, it does sound crazy, but it, it was not, no. Like no, no plan whatsoever. Do you find that uh, as you've gotten more into it, are you more, you know, more passionate about it? Do you, do, I mean, you obviously mm -hmm. geek out on the gear, right? And, and you like that sort of thing. I mean, is it progressively gotten, I mean, I've said this a lot. I mean, people will reach out and say, how do I get involved, you know, in the industry, a hunting company, you know, like Argali or Go Hunt. And I think a lot of, a lot of the advice, you know, that I give people is just, you know, if, if that's what you're passionate about, you know, I mean, if that's the thing that you're doing on your weekends anyway, it, it'll kind of find you, you know, like if, if you want it and, you know, you're just out there hunting elk or deer and that's what you want to do with your free time. I mean, eventually it'll kind of work that route because you'll become good at it, which is ultimately like, you know, why people, somebody would pay attention to you or buy a product from you. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm an introvert by nature. So all I really want to do is go by myself and go hunting. Um, I think people have the perception because we make content that, mm -hmm. um, it was totally opposite. It's, it is the exact opposite. <laughs> I, th I think like, every mule deer hunter is an introvert. Like we're totally <laughs> geared that way. Like we don't want to hang out with people. We don't, we don't hunt things that bugle and are really social. Like, nope. You mean you're not super comfortable right here <laughs> with, a, with a mic? I, I got my, I got, I mean, this is fun. Did so you bring easy, your guitar? This is easy. But like, I, I could be in the mountains right now and we could just be yep. hanging out. Like, that's my, that's my jam. Yeah. I, I'd say, like, I really, I mean, I love making things and I love, um, uh, there's a, I get a lot of enjoyment out of making things and really making something that I'm proud of. And so when it comes to, like, product and gear, like, I really enjoy the process. It is painful, painful, painful at times because, you know, if you go through, uh, like one of our, our tents, I went through like 12 different prototypes and that, that process, I mean, like small changes, but it's like, you know, um, so when you're that anal about something, it's, it can be very frustrating to like, you know, get something to a point where it's good enough to where you're proud of it to like, you know, I take it very seriously too. When somebody like gives, gives us money or gives you guys money for a product, right? It's like, I take that relationship very seriously. And uh, the last thing I want is for somebody to feel like it's not, like, exactly what they expected. Right. So, yeah, yeah I'd like it, but... What, what does your process kind of look like? I'm sure you have a ton of ideas. Like, how do you know which ideas to go with? And then once you have the idea, what's the next steps to keeping the ball rolling? 
Man, that's a really good question. Um, some, someone once asked me from like a bigger company, was like, what's your market research like? And I was like, oh, it's super thorough. Like, <laughs> <laughs> me in the back country. Yeah, it's like me like putting my thumb in the air with like, you know, what's this gonna do? Uh, no, I, uh, so yeah, there's a laundry list of things and ideas. Um, honestly, what it comes down to, like most for us, um, I wish I could say there was more thought put into this, but it's usually like, my gut on like where if there's a gap in the marketplace or if it's a product that we feel like we can make that's like solving a problem that other people also have and I you know the, the only reason that I feel like we if we have any advantage is that like we do hunt a lot and or try to anyway right and so I feel like when we are trying to solve problems it's like if I've had this problem I'm sure that you guys have had the same problem right and many other people have had that problem so it's um, it's that, and then, you know, we do get a lot of uh, requests for things. Like, we have some things in the works that customers, we get, like, you know, once a week, twice a week, every day, people are like, hey, could you make this, this thing as well? And um, sometimes we listen to those, and we're like, yeah, that's something we should make. Sometimes we don't have time for it, but if we get enough requests for it, we might consider mm -hmm. it. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered yeah. your question. Are you well. doing all the designing then, too? Um, I mean, I, the, all the designs like start with me and then we have engineers and actual people with talent and design skills that actually turn it into something that's manufacturable. Um, but usually like napkin drawings or I will draw it out on paper, like seriously, like napkins or, or like blank sheet of paper, like our tents, like I drew all of them out um, on paper, dimensions and everything, all the specs. And then I then take that to our designer and be like, this is what we need to make. And then she'll bring usually like a dose of reality to me about like, you can't do that. You can't do a seam like, you know, and so then we talk through the problems and that's kind of how it starts. How long does that usually take? Like you have an idea and then when will that product seat? Um, so it depends on the product. So some of them take years. Um, our Kodiak belt took almost three years. No shit. Yeah. It took three years to get to market. And then... A belt, oh, three years. That's what I was going to say. Like three so years those for tents a you've been working three on years. for 100 that, years. That, that's what's cool, though, because the belt <laughs> has so many different features. You can understand once you see the belt why yeah. it took a long time to actually create. It looks simple, but, you know, it's like, like when you're making a product, like you can you could make anything you want, but can you make it at a price that people are willing to, like, pay, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And the original, the first prototype of that was going to be, like, you know, close to $300 to make. That is just, just to make like, yeah, so like belt. then you try and make a profit off of that it's like oh it's a six hundred dollar belt or a five hundred dollar belt like no one's gonna spend that much money so then we had to figure out like how do you man how do you change the manufacturing process yeah. to make it like affordable for you know people and so those are like the headaches and then but I had an idea for a product I was that we went we literally had a prototype within like four months it's a hard good product that'll come out next year um, it went from. I was literally in the middle of uh, central Idaho on a hunt, on a mule deer hunt, Brady. Um, I like and this. I was like, I was using, um, I, I'm trying to be real coy about this because we haven't reached it yet. But we have it. I was like, man, this product I'm using is not something I'm psyched about. I drew it up because um, I, I didn't have any distractions, no email, nothing like that. I got out. I like called our engineer. I'm like, can you get this done? Like, here's the drawing. Can you get it like to a point where we can send this off by the end of the week? He's like, oh, yeah, this is simple. And then, but it didn't take a week. It took like a month. But then we sent it to um, one of the companies we work with to get a prototype. And in four months, I had a prototype in my hand. And then we were like, it was done. So that's like a that's the exception, not the rule. So usually, it's much longer than that. How, how nervous are you when you're like saying like, let's say like for your tent example, you yeah. built your tent. You went through. You said twelve different roughly prototypes of it. You think you got it dialed? You ever like? 
like maybe a little bit nervous. Like, am I going to release something that other people are going to actually love? Or is there st- or like, it's your baby. You've like literally worked your blood, sweat, and tears on this thing. And you want to keep it to yourself for a little while longer to maybe keep going crazy and refining it. Or you're just like, this thing is bomb proof right now. I've been out in the mountains. I've tested it like 30 days straight. Never got, you know, anything bad happened to me. And this thing is just bomb proof already. Or it's just like, you kind of just want to keep tinkering with it to see what else you can do or make it a little bit lighter or Oh man, dude, you, I'm a I'm a like nervous wreck when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Because like, what I you know what I really care about is like when I when release something, you know, um, I think the the people that I like sort of respect in the industry, like I care more about like what do they think? Does it solve the problems that I think it solves? Um, and I I, I am I'm, there's always like the like will people ever want to buy the thing that I think is really cool? Um, but at, at this point in our our careers or for our company like usually we have a pretty good track record of trying to make quality stuff so usually like people are into if we usually people are into the things that that we think they're going to be into um but every once in a while you have total misses and whiffs and yeah you're like what did, what did i get wrong at this with this thing but yeah i'm absolutely ready like all the time still like i've never nothing's ever totally done it's just like god do it you get it to a point where it's like as good as you can possibly make it right now. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you have to, like, say, good enough, and let's keep going. Yeah. I guess I feel very similar to that, too. Like, when I write a piece of content that I push, publish on Go Hunt, that is my baby. I might have spent 40 hours writing one article, and I'm like, I know I can keep going, but maybe I, I feel like this is a, my stamp of approval is already there, and I love this piece, but I also, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of it goes back and forth all the time. But, like, like I, I can't want, imagine with the product, like, the thoughts and just everything going crazy with that. Like, I want to know what Trail Kiter thinks of every product we make. Like, does Trail like it? Does it get the Trail stamp of approval? Trail stamp yeah. of approval? That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, was, I was thinking as you were talking, there must be an incredible sense of satisfaction when you see somebody use a product that you've, you know, conceptualized. It's come to, you know, fruition in your brain on a backcountry mule deer hunt for, for mule deer. And then you see that thing produced. And, you know, the first time that somebody sends you a picture... <laughs> You know, and they've had some grand adventure in your product. I mean, I know for our standpoint, you know, we get a lot of feedback from members that have, uh, you know, used draw odds, for example, or, you know, maps. And it's allowed them to come from, you know, the Midwest or the East and go on an adventure like an elk hunt and they find success. I, I mean, for me, it, that's a, a major draw for the job that I do, right? It's this incredible sense of satisfaction. So I was going to ask you, what is, what is the best part of having your own gear company? <laughs> what do you like um, about it? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you get to make all your own decisions, uh, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, and I really enjoy that. I don't, I don't have to ask anybody's approval to, like, chase a wild idea. Um, the downside to that is that, like, if, if, if you don't execute, then, like, there's no one to blame. There's no one to, like, share blame with if you really screw up. Um, and so we have a really good, like, team, but uh, usually when it comes to, like, you know, the product side of what we do, that's usually, like, me um, either succeeding or failing on, on something. So if it doesn't work, it's that's on me. I enjoy that. Um, and I, I do get enjoyment out of people using our stuff and seeing in the field. Like, if, I remember the first time I ran, like, just ran into somebody in the field and saw our game bags hanging at their camp, and... Um, they didn't know who I was, and I was like, it was kind of great. I was like, what do you think of those game bags there? And they're like, oh, man, I love these things. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Did you just, like, run over and give them a big giant hug? Be like, dude, I love you, man. Like, thank you. <laughs> I know. Uh, no, I, you know, I feel like uh, part, of, part of, for me, at least, making a product, I, we were, I, I feel like we try and stay very humble, and, and uh, I invite criticism every single day, like, genuine criticism, because I, we're never, nothing is ever perfect. It's just, like, good enough for now. 
Um, and so when I, you know, if, if somebody sends us an email or calls and says, hey, I had a really good experience, like, in my head, I'm like, I hear that, and I think they're being, I know they're being honest with me, but I'm like, but what did you, didn't, what didn't you like about it? Tell me what you didn't like about it, you know, because I, it's like the, for us anyways, uh, for me, just wanting to, like, make sure that they're, like, getting the enjoyment out of it that, um, that I hope they got out of it. Yeah, I, and I think that speaks to your, your character, you know? You, you want to build a product for the, for the love of the product and the love of the game, you know, for, for lack of a better word, right? It's, you, you want people to get good use out of that product for its intended use. Yeah, and that was a great movie, too, by the way, for Love of the Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, Shout out to Love of the Game. Yes. <laughs> so, when, so you first started off with content, then you went to Game Bakes. Like, what, what, when, what's that timeline look like? And then going into your next products that you came out with. So we, um, let's see, we had... Uh, let me see if I can get my memories right. So we made a couple films, and then we actually were uh, an online retail company for a little bit. Um, and then I realized that I just like it wasn't for me. Like it wasn't. I loved like designing and making products, and so we did a hard transition out of that. So you were selling other products then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were. Um, we sold other people's stuff, and then we made the game bags. And I was like, man, I like that. And so that was like two years after we started making content. We were doing that. And then we did the online retail thing for like, I want to say like a year and a half, almost two years. And then it was like hard pivot one year. It was kind of a um, scary moment because I was like, it was like, it was probably like June one year. I said, by January of next year, we're not going to sell anybody else's stuff. We're done. And it was like, all that we had in that point in time was one knife and two sets of game bags. And it was like hoping that the business would like stay afloat. So it was a leap of faith, but it was just like clearly the right thing to do. Like I had no doubt in my mind that it was the right thing to do. Um, and so I didn't feel like it was not a hard decision to make, but it was still a little terrifying. Yeah. Because, I mean, it could just all, like, you know, go to hell, like, pretty quick when you do that. You give up some, like, pretty significant revenue streams. Um, so from a business standpoint, it felt like a, a risk, but it was, you know, absolutely the right decision in hindsight, and I'm glad we did it. Nice. So you've got, uh, you, you got knives, right? You've got game bags, yep. and then this year you have a, a couple of new shelters. Yep. So yep. what, was the, what was the decision like to get into shelters? You know, why and, and what is it about? I mean, you know, talk, talk to us about your shelters and, and what you, you, know, you feel like you bring to the table that's, like, unique to you and what problems you were trying to address with those. Yeah, and I'll, I'll do this. Um, I always try and say this from, like, a, a humility standpoint. I don't, you know, we, I, again, I'm always trying to make gear for myself. Like, that's, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, I'm trying to make products for myself and hopefully other people like it. Um, so when it came to um, shelters, uh, there were two reasons. One was, uh, was fabric. So I, w I wanted to find a fabric that, you know, outside of the Dyneema world that didn't sag. And um, I was aware of uh, polyester tents, and I played around with a little bit of polyester uh, fabric. But I decided, I've always heard of, like, negative things about polyester. So I decided to go on my own, like, journey and do some research about whether or not poly... So polyester, for everybody who doesn't know, like, is... is um, there's, most tents are made out of polyester, nylon, or else, or Dyneema. Dyneema is kind of in a category of its own, just expense-wise and weight-wise. It's also made differently um, as a composite fabric. Um, but polyester has always been kind of like seen as like an inferior fabric in the backpacking world because it's it was sort of branded as like cheap and inferior. I was like, well, I'm gonna go like do my own research and see what I find, and started like looking, and I was like, man, some of this this poly fabric is like as strong as nylon in some cases, or damn close doesn't sag and you can get it in like lightweight, like let's start, let's see if this will like work. Um, and so we tested it out and the honestly like the tent sag issue is such an annoying thing for me. 
um, waking up and like with snow in your tent or just rain and like the walls of your tent feel like they're collapsing in on you. It, um, it was so annoying that it led me to try and make my own tent. <laughs> and then, and then the other thing was just like the shape and usability of a tent. Like I wanted a, uh, to create a tent, especially that was like really fast and easy to set up. There was like no messing around with it. Um, it was modular, so you could run it, you know, with with an insert. Um, that was just easy to set the two, connect the two pieces together. Like just like super simple, super easy, really fast, and that's what led us down the path. Um, so yeah, and I can talk more about it, but that was kind of the original idea. So you got you got two options, right? Two options right now. We got more in the works. Gotcha. Um, which I'm happy to talk about if you want. But uh, yeah. So t tell us about those models specifically. You've got a two a two man. Do you got yeah a Rincon two person and our Absaroka four person. Um, both of them have our like removable or uh, arc stove jack system, which is our our unique you know uh, system where you can zip in or zip out your stove jack. So. The advantage there is like if you're a consumer and you want to buy one tent and you want a hot tent option, you have to buy with a dedicated stove jack, right? Um, and it's going to be sewn into your tent. So you have to pack that stove jack around uh, during like mule deer season or early archer season elk if you're not going to use a stove. I find that to be fairly annoying as a user um, to have to pack around a stove jack. That is very annoying because that's a lot of extra weight you're carrying for yeah. no reason at all. That's an extra candy bar. For real. I love candy bars. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of something that you might like because I don't like candy bars, but I knew you'd you like don't eat candy bars. No. Oh, you gotta have a Snickers every day. Food is fuel, not fun trail. That's the, I, I got some sidetracked now, but the morale booster at the end of the day. <laughs> Nothing tastes better than a Snickers. When you killed an animal and you get like the rest of your Snickers, you know, you got like five of them. You just gorge yourself. Just oh, yeah. hang out, eat Snickers. If you're hungry, why wait? Right, trail. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. And now you can carry more Snickers because you're not carrying the stove jack. You don't need it. By the way, this uh, podcast is sponsored by Snickers. Um, we are looking for sponsors. So yeah. Snickers. Candy sponsors would Snickers be real if nice. if you're out there. <laughs> Almond, those are my favorite. I knew we should have had lunch beforehand, guys. Um, yeah, so the stove jack. So as a consumer, like, I think, you know, those of us on the stage, we probably have lots of gear. So we have lots of options. But, like, you know, I think for your average person, they're not going to buy four tents or even two tents. They, so... So for them, I think one, you're giving them one tent with a stove jack, they can zip in or zip out. It, it solves a problem for some people. Um, uh, and I, anyway, I just think it, it makes it so you don't have to buy as much stuff either. Um, I feel like sometimes I try and talk people out of buying stuff too if we're at our company. Um, I'm like, you don't need two tents, just get one tent. It's fine, it's totally fine. Um, so anyways, we have the Rincon two-person. The other thing I wanted to do is like have a two-person tent that was actually like built for two people. Um, two real sized humans, not like the one. Emphasis em on the real size, like yeah. no tents out there when they say two person. That's like a barely a one person. Tent. Yeah, that's one and a dog. One, and, one and a dog, <laughs> typically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and they're all both of our tents that we have out right now. You know, they're like basically the same shape, just different size. They're modular pyramid style shams, tents. I think that style of tent creates like the most efficient space to weight ratio that you can have, um, because you know when you lay down, you're a straight line. A pyramid creates more or less straight lines along the bottom. So when you talk about having like an efficient use of space, that's really important because that allows you to use less fabric, which equates to less weight. Um, so there's an efficiency argument you made for the shape of our tents. Most people will never know that, but they'll just know that it's lightweight. Right there, though, that was a really cool. Feat. Like you just talking about that, I realized like how much time you've put into researching these little small details. Because every little, like as you know, like when you go in the backstory, all the small details matter, and all the small details, like they're going to add ounces, which equals pounds, which equals pain. It's like you're just trying to solve that little pain point of thinking about usable space, trying to cut the weight where you can, still make it strong, 
That's yeah. freaking cool. Yeah. It, yeah, we literally, so like, one of the, like, our design meetings was uh, last year in October for, for one of our tents, or one of our new tents. So, like, those details, like, just having that experience in the field, like, really helps. And we, <laughs> it, was, it was an impromptu design meeting where we were in one of our tents, and we were like, you know what, make this tent better. We need to, like, increase the size a little bit. So then we were like, well, let's get a, I had a tape measure with me, um, uh, you know, for measuring antlers. Uh, I'm outing myself right now that I carry one. Um, and uh, so we, like. Nerd. <laughs> nerd nerd uh, so like you know we were out in the field till we broke a bunch of sticks and we like laid out the floor plan measured it out and then we were like laying down on the ground out in this meadow trying to see if it was the right shape and size and that that actually that size is going to be the size of uh, one of our new tents coming out uh, next year so yeah we try to be thoughtful yeah. about it so so you think of most of these ideas when you're on hunts right well almost all of them do you have, like, the mindset when you're going out on a hunt? Are you thinking about, like, new products all the time? Do you know, like, I need to be out in the field as much as I can so I can think of new products and, like, writing stuff down? No, I just like to go on the field because I like to hunt a yeah. lot. And then, like, the idea is just, like, sometimes I don't ever, I don't ever like, preordain it. Like, I need to think of an idea. It just either happens or it doesn't. And I'm just out, I'm just out doing my thing. Nice. And then I'm just paying attention to, like, what other people are doing, what I'm doing. And sometimes I'll watch other people and see see what they're doing and I'll learn about the way they use a product or I'll listen to what they say. Cause you know, like when you're out with people, you're just like, you got a lot of time to talk cause you're not distracted and somebody might make a comment, you know, would make this tripod better or what would make that tent better, you know? And I'm like, I'm listening and sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't, but every once in a while you have like a nugget in there. It's like, huh, maybe there's something there. I always carry a notebook and I have a running list of ideas and then just kind of keep track and sometimes they turn into something and sometimes I'm like, eh, that's a dumb idea. I thought it was good at the time, but that's not a good one. Um, so that's pretty much it. You're a really good listener. Your wife uh, must like you. My wife you. is over there. Yeah. She, she might disagree on that one, but um, I, I try to pay attention. I'm not sure I'm a good listener, yeah. but I try to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So these, it's a, do you do a nest for your shelters or they, yeah. okay, so yeah. you've got, uh, it's essentially like we're sitting here looking at them right now and they're, you know, pyramid style teepee, you know, shelters and, you know, you can use those with, with the pole as a floorless option and then you also make a nest for them, right? Yeah, we call it, yeah, we call it an insert and the way the inserts connect is actually, so we've got a line lock adjuster that with a mini carabiner on the four corners of our inserts that clip into a little uh, uh, webbing loop on the inside four corners. So you basically, you connect those carabiners with four corners if you want to connect the insert, and you just tug on that line lock adjuster on all four corners, and you're done. Gotcha. So I, we're probably all aware, but just for those of you know our audience that might be listening, like when we get the we get asked this question quite a bit. When would you you know in your experience, when would you go with like a you know a floorless option, essentially the single wall versus you know an insert with with the exterior rain fly or exterior portion of the tent? Uh, I mean, that's for me. I rarely use an insert, like rarely, rarely. Like, I haven't used one during hunting season in like over a decade. So, but I will say that mo a lot and. But I don't, if you're hunting like Arizona, like it's a different story because there's like, there's things that want to bite you and like, you know, stab you and crawl in your tent with you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Go ahead. I was going to say like, I've had so many times where I've had like little scorpions or you see things during the day. There's like, I, I don't want that in my tent. That is not fun. Yeah. So I don't know. I think for most Western hunting outside of the desert landscape, like I don't think you need one and outside of. If you're hunting up high, like even if you're in Nevada, you're hunting in the mountains, like I don't think you need an insert really, but. Let's, let's talk about too. I get, we get a lot of questions all the time about like, oh, floor shelters, you're going to get wet inside when it rains. Yeah. That's not true at all. False. Totally false. Yeah. 
Like, is that just like a, is that straight science? Is there, or like math, like how the shape of the, <laughs> the angles of the tent come down? I mean, like, it never, you like, would think it would go underneath, but it just, it never does. No matter where you pitch a tent, I pitch it in the worst situations. A like, lot of that comes to where you pitch it, though. Yeah, I mean, I you can't yeah, pitch you it can't, at the base of a hill and expect you to stay dry with a four of the shelter. You know, you're getting all the runoff, right? So you do have to have, like, some, you know, sense when you, you pitch your shelter. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's it. I think there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people who are floorless tent curious out there who are just like very, you know, just like interested in it, but like, it's a big leap, right? And you guys probably know this as well as I do. And so I think you just gotta do it, you know what I mean? And just trust that it's not, you're not gonna get hosed. Do you bring a ground sheet with you? Yeah, you I just a sheet of like a, literally like a sheet of Tyvek that I cut mm. off my buddy's construction site five years ago yeah. that I still use. Yeah, I haven't changed. <laughs> I've been using it for five you years. You do some, it's... like, cave drawings on it when you're exactly. getting bored in the rain. <laughs> he writes ideas on it. Yeah. Rolls yeah. over in the Draw. middle of the night with a Sharpie. Yeah. Speaking of one of those, I was talking about a real tangent thing. Like, we were in Colorado once, freezing cold, just nasty cold. And uh, I had, a, like, a little Tyvek sheet like that. And we were literally trying to get the stove going. We didn't have any fire starter in our, in our shelter. What? I was going to say, how did you get a fire starter? This is a great story. Did you guys cut labels? Oh, you know, no, that's like if I was a Tyvek. So we're like sitting there like, because we had the, all of our packs were in our other friend's shelter, with which our, well, that's where all our fire starter was. So we're just like sitting there at night. Like, we need to get a fire going. It's freezing cold. We have little sticks. We're trying to do stuff. We're like, Mather, our camera guy, and I were like, we got Tyvek here. Let's try to cut that and, put, and use that as fire starter. So I cut a big chunk of my Tyvek. And later on, I'm like, what was I thinking? That's put on houses for a reason so that shit don't burn. Yeah. And I was literally just sitting there like, I'm going to burn my whole like freaking Tyvek there. We're getting this fire. And I'm like, why isn't this stuff burning? Just like just going right in the stove and just doing nothing. So I had heard you guys started cutting labels out of your clothing. To get we, we, literally, we literally did that too. Like we were so cold and we didn't want to go wake up Seth who was in the other tent. Like he had the Taj Mahal over there by himself. You didn't have any fire starter with you? Because we, we, we kept the packs in the other one because it, it was me and Mather in a tiny shelter by yeah. ourselves, and it wasn't a very good situation. We weren't very smart, and it was snowing the whole time, and we pitched on snow, and so we didn't clear off all the snow. We tried kicking as much as we could, but then it kept freezing, and every time we run the stove, it would just all, like, f totally, like, melt at night, freeze during the day. We'd get back there. It was just a mess. <laughs> the worst camp spot ever. But, yeah, you, can, you cannot use Tyvek as fire starters. That's, that's a good lesson. Just don't ever try to cut your Tyvek, because now I've had to replace my Tyvek a couple times. So did you get a chance, how many years have you been working on these? Like how many seasons have you had a chance to put, you know, these to test? Uh, uh, two seasons. So all of last year and then part, well, part of the year before that. So what do you call it, one and a half? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I ran the Absaroka. Um, I know we've talked about this, but I was in Alaska for like almost six weeks last year, and I ran that the entire time. Um, all over the place. Yeah, and so. I wanted to get into that. How was how was that trip? I mean, we we should talk just talk hunting. I mean, what I mean, you practically lived in Alaska. I yeah, you you went up I there for for how long? Alaska, six weeks. Yeah, six, by yourself. Um, I had different people come up, but I was it was mostly like me, and then um, the first leg of the trip I had it was me and a camera guy. My family came up for a little bit of it, and we did, that was super fun, man. I had a blast fishing with my kids. Um, and then, yeah, I had another guy, another buddy come up for one leg of it, but it was mostly just me with, like, people joining kind of off and on. Well, where were you, I mean, not where were you hunting, but what, what were you hunting? No, it's all right. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we were hunting, like, the Aleutian chain for uh, blacktail. Um, then we were hunting in the 40-mile country for caribou, and then did, like, a true, like, swamp hunt for moose. Um, yeah. So, like, a type of hunt like that, how long did it take you to plan that out? Mm, about a month. 
do quick. <laughs> I just like, like literally, I got home from Alaska uh, two years ago. I was home for two weeks in between hunts, and I was like, I'm going back to Alaska. I just, but, that's the same thing. I, everyone I talk to that goes to Alaska, it's the same thing to come back like, I got to go back. I need to go back to Alaska. It's just like, and I was like, you know, I was, I was annoyed. I was like, man, I want to go back to Alaska, but I don't want to just go for one trip. I'm going to go for like as long as I can. And so that was as long as I could possibly do without angering everybody in my life. Do you guys want me right now to leave? Because I'm the only one standing up here on stage that's never been to Alaska hunting. Loser. So I feel like I just can't contribute to anything right now. I'm just like super jealous. Like, you guys are talking about going back, and I just got back and going back again. I'm like, I've never even gone once. So next time Trail and Neville, you guys go, like, I would love an invite. Six weeks sounds pretty incredible. I mean, I... pretty cool. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to do anything like that again, uh, but that was, it was really fun. Then, but yeah, I mean, it was hard to pull off, like business-wise and family-wise and all that. But um, again, like I, I, I truly am just want to go hunting. That's all I yeah. want to do. And, and you know, I'll tell you what, you would love Brady. You would love blacktail hunting because it is like mule deer hunting, but like on steroids. Yeah. In some did way. you do that? Like, was that August? Uh, yeah, I did. Like, yeah, the early August season one. And yeah. bow hunting. And it's just like it is. It doesn't. I mean, there's so many options for where you go, and it's, it is just like a paradise. That terrain just like eye candy, dude. Just oh, oh my gosh. I could sit in just glass all day long and like even if I never stalked anything and just like have so much fun just watching animals and that's I did that for like hours and hours and hours after I like killed what I wanted to kill I was just like just got up under a promontory and just like glass and I was just having a good time just hanging out uh, so so as our Argali continues to grow you know you guys have expanded your line you know you're you're definitely starting to I would, it feels like it, it feels like you're growing as a company we both are, in. Yeah. okay I mean do you do you feel like how do you feel about that as far as, like, managing a company versus, you know, the time that you get off in the field every fall? <laughs> Is it going to cut into that? And if it does, like, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you feel about it? I, uh, I like to say that if, if, like, what we're doing ever becomes, like, a burden to my hunting time, I'm quitting. So um, Write so, that down. Write that down, Write Chris that Porter. Down. <laughs> <laughs> write that down, for um, sure. <laughs> it's, it, 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 this is a really good question. Um, it gives me a little bit of – it's hard, man. I think everybody – who doesn't work in our industry thinks like if you work in the hunting industry, you get to go hunting all the time. And it's like, you know, it's, and you guys know, it's like, it's really difficult to get away. Um, especially on the gear side when people want gear, when it's like time to go hunting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's a challenge, man. It really is a challenge. You must have a good team in place. I we mean, do. Yeah. We have a really good team in place. And um, last year, like going to Alaska for that long, uh, like my wife, it, it's a family-run business. My wife does all of our operations. We have uh, our business partner, uh, Jason Elizabeth, do a lot for us. And like, without them doing, keeping the wheels on the bus, like I wouldn't be able to go do what I do. And uh, so I'm kind of a burden to them in many ways. <laughs> but yeah, it's an ecosystem, right? You have is, to yeah. you have to have guys like you that are willing and wanting to go out for extended trips and days and hunt as much as you can in the fall. And you you know you love it because you love it. And, yeah. you know, that's where your ideas and your design comes from. And then you do, you have to have, you know, good, good people in the right places to kind of maintain the ship and keep it right when you're gone. So, yeah, I think people always, I think we're still a we're a small company, but, but I think people think that like every time they email the company or a call, like I'm going to answer the phone or answer the email. You don't. I, I try to sometimes, <laughs> but like, we're going to call out should, should we, line, should we give out his Brad. cell phone number right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brad Sell. Brad Sell. Um, Brad's yeah. in reach. Maybe call, people call like, go hunt and expect like that you're going to answer the phone or Brady or Chris, you know? Um, but yeah, anyways, as we grow, it's, it's hard. It's just like growing pains. But we have a really good team of people that are really good at what they do. And so it's a, it's a team effort. What do you have this year that you're looking forward to? 
Ooh, um, probably two things that I'm really looking forward to. One is Wyoming archery elk, because uh, I haven't hunted Wyoming in a couple years. And then I'm actually hunting whitetails this year with a bow in Oklahoma for the first time. I've never done that before. Whoa, that's not a Western hunt. I like, know. Where we first time. Whitetails? White really? Well, I know. Man? I know. He's going to uh, get an idea for a new tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually getting into the tree stand market now. Yes. <laughs> we're going to make some scent control products. Yeah. Um, no, we're not doing that. Um, but, yeah, no, I've uh, never killed a nice whitetail. And uh, so I'm like, I like killing things and hunting things that I've never done before. And, and, like, new places, new species, like, being out of your element and having to, like, figure it out, like, that's when you really put your, like, skills to the test. Like, going to the same place and the same thing every year, like, that's just kind of... For me, that's like not that entertaining or enjoyable. So, yeah, new things are, in, I don't know, it's kind of when you get to like figure out whether or not you actually are made of anything, you know. You, you own with a bow stuff. in Oklahoma? Archery? Yeah, archery. Do you only bow hunt? No, I do both. Um, I rifle hunt. I don't, I don't really, you know, I like doing both. Sometimes bow hunting gives you more opportunity sometimes, but like I, I enjoy, I don't discriminate against like either. Like honestly, it's all enjoyable to me and. I love rifle hunting and I love bow hunting and uh, a little bit for different reasons. So, yeah. Brady hates bow hunting. I, can we talk about what happened again, Brady? Brady, like, come I feel on. Like you need yeah, to get I, back I, on I, I get I touched on it just real quick. That's what's weird to say right now. I, like the last time I, shit, I'm putting on my spot on my spot right now. We're at Total Archery <laughs> Challenge. And uh, last time I shot my bow was Total Archery Challenge last year, Big Sky. No joke. Last year, I, the last time I shot my bow was literally 365 days ago. I feel like we need to work through what happened, which I, you've told yeah. me what happened. I think we need to work through it, and you, I think you can. He's going to shoot I, an I, antelope this year. Yeah, I got. We, trail, like Trill and I and Neville, we're going to go antelope hunting in Colorado here quick, and I need, okay, I just good, need to. Good, good. I, I need to get the monkey off my back and just get that confidence again. Like I used to literally be the guy that made fun of rifle guys. Like no joke, I was so psycho into archery. In bow hunting, that I made fun of rifle hunters. I like I would never touch a rifle at all. That was your reputation, I remember. Yeah, yeah. like I, I was just all in. And then that one time when I lost yeah. the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life, just wrecked me to the point of where shooting a bow was just not even fun to me. Like I like. You would get sad when you shoot your bow. <laughs> would you cry? every time? Every time would I start you crying, right away. When you, right away. When you draw your bow. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm slowly a big getting tear rolling down your cheek. I mean I'm getting better. Like I enjoy shooting my bow. Like go shoot targets and stuff like that. And still in Vegas, but like my thought process now to pick up a hunting tag and go back out there, it just feels like part of me is just not there anymore. It's like hard to explain. It's like I lost something. That moment I lost that big deer. Cause that's the first animal I ever lost in my life too. And it happened to be the biggest mule I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but nice. also because I did that though, I did learn so much about myself. Like the patient, extra patience I need. Because I, maybe I got like too confident because I, I have just been on a roll of like, you know, having a most amazing archery hunts after archery hunts where there was deer. I shot a moose, mountain goat, like all this stuff with my bow. Like shot a coos deer when I was getting made fun of in Mexico, like with my bow. I was like, you're no, like, why are you not bringing a rifle down to Mexico to hunt coos deer? And I'm like, I'm a bow hunter. That's who yeah, I am. Yeah. And I brought down there and I literally shot a buck the third day before any of the rifle guys shot the buck and it was the biggest buck in, in camp. And it's a giant coos deer. And so, like, so I was so into it, and I just feel like, I don't know, just lost something. And I need, yeah. to, get, I need to figure it out, like, grab that little tiny piece that I lost and put it back in me because... We need, you know what we need to do? We need to get, a, like, a mule deer therapy support group going. Yeah, we do. Yeah. For, like, uh, recovering bow hunters. And um, we need to get that, like, little piece of you that was lost. We need to get it back, Brady. Yeah. But, Brady, like I said, need, I learned a lot of things. just a hug. Yeah. You see Brady today, just come up <laughs> and give, give, me a hug. give him yeah. a big uh, hug. Yeah. You just need yeah. to pick up your bow and shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> just need it, yeah. Hug your bow and just be like, you are loved. 
I, you know, and you're special, and it's going to be okay. Yep. So if you see me throw my release anytime this weekend, it's <laughs> because I maybe had a flashback to those horrible yeah. days. But, like, I've gained so much from that still. Like I said, I, I, I found my love of rifle hunting after that. So now I've, I feel like I'm a way better hunter because I started archery first. So I knew about stalking, knew about wind, knew about how to work an animal, how to, you know, navigate through a mountain with a bow in my hand. And now I throw a rifle in my hand. It's a whole dangerous game out there for me. Yeah. Like, it's... It's, it's kind of scary sometimes, like how I think about it, like not trying to be like weird. And it was like, I know what I'm doing to a different degree because I have any range that I'm comfortable with now. Like I can sit down and know like that last day, if I only have two hours to hunt, I'll, I can, I'll kill something in two hours if I have an animal present itself because I can run as fast as I can to get over there. I can lay down. I can calm my body. I can take a shot with my rifle. And so it's like, so I've learned a lot of things and done some different experiences, but like still, I want to get this back again. Like. I just have to go on some, like, deer. I need to go. It needs to be a mule deer. Like, this antelope hunt will be fun, but it just needs to be a mule deer. I need to get a redemption. 20-yard antelope shot's going to be real antelope. good. Can't beat it. Yeah. Good yeah. therapy. That'll help. Yeah. Nothing makes you <laughs> that, that might do it for therapy. me, so. It is nice, like, for rifle hunting. I'll say the thing I love about it is when you see, like, let's say you see an elk, and it's, like, 200 yards away. You're like, I can just shoot it right now. I don't have to, like, worry about, like, getting in, you know, right. close. And that is like, I enjoy getting in close. I love that process. But there are times when you're like, I just want to shoot this thing right now. And, and, and that's what I, I kind of miss too, because I miss that crazy adrenaline rush you get when you're that oh, yeah. close. Like literally your bino harness is bouncing off your chest. Oh yeah. And you're just like, it is the most epic thing ever. Like you get that rifle hunting, no doubt, but it's like, it is another level when you're that close yeah. to an animal with a bow. And it's just, ugh. Yeah. Now, now Brady's backing up so he can have a further shot. Oh, that's that's too close. I got to go back. <laughs> Test my gun. Please hold. Please, 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 hold. please hold. Let me climb the mountain a little bit. Oh man! Well, very good. Do we are we uh, we up on time? Yeah, yeah. We also, I, I really enjoyed this. I'm glad we finally got. I never knew you like did all this other stuff in your life before too. So like, yeah, no, this was like total accident, man. Yeah, and here right. we are. Like I said, you're a jack of all trades. Master of everything. No, no, I'm not. You know, Speed just of a mongoose. Yeah, he's threatened to take us climbing, and I, I haven't taken up on that. Yeah, let's he's go said, rock climbing. Do you cool. like I mean, rock look, climbing? We have Red Rock Mountains right outside of Las oh, I Vegas. I go there all the time. What? Yeah, I'm always down to Red Rocks. I love Red Rocks. Rainbow Wall. I've been climbing the Rainbow Wall. Yeah, let's go. Like I've, I've, never, I've never done it, but I want to. Oh, okay. my, dad, my dad was a big climber, like huge oh. climber, and he's like, I think secretly he's like, why haven't you ever done this cool stuff? Like. Like, I think it's just unique because there's you another can, way to you test can your teach body. teach me to belay. That's about it. I, I went oh, to a climbing gym like a couple months ago. My buddy works at a climbing gym. Haven't ever climbed in my life. I went and climbed about the 30 minutes in, and the next day, I've never been so sore in my whole entire life. Okay, my let me work my way arms, up to my back, my legs, my fingers. I'm like, what in the hell did well, I just we'll do? Well, just go do something fun, like a big adventure, keep the climbing easy, but like a lot of elevation gain, and I'll make it super safe. I'll hold you guys' hand the whole way. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll do something. I think I'm so, more. So, of a, I'm thinking more of a spotter. You know, sit at the bottom, that's drink me. I'm, beer. I'm the guy at the bottom. I got the, the pad yeah. for you, bud. Hey, you're doing great, Brad. <laughs> yeah, well, let's watch. Yeah. But I was, that's why I, I've never actually seen it done either. So like, I want to know that process because like again, it's just another adventure that maybe I can learn something from it. And I'm like, hey, what Brad's doing right now is pretty cool. Like maybe I can incorporate something. I don't know how you can incorporate that in the hunt. But maybe make, there's something I can. It figure has out. to make you a better hunter. The mental like there's nothing so. I think people, yeah, okay, like, as a total aside, I think for some people, like, it, like backpack hunting is, like, mentally very difficult. Um, you know, for me, like, being, like, if you're, like, leaf climbing on a big wall and you're, like, 40 feet above a piece of gear and you're, like, trying not to fall, like, doing some hard climbing moves, like, that takes mental discipline. And so, like, you can translate that into, like, you have to, like, know how to, like, keep your shit together. 
when you're doing that and so like bow hunting and you're like you know you get that adrenaline rush it's like i've been here before and you can just kind of like yeah it has to be emotional management right you must you must have to develop skills to control your heart rate control your breathing control you know your movement that must translate i would think because oh, yeah. yeah i mean when you're out hunting it spikes and it can spike quick and I, I would think climbing would would translate real well yeah and i get buck fever with the best of them. i'm not saying i'm above it but like i can from climbing like you have to learn to control like yeah your emotions and also that like adrenaline rush and so yes it does translate very well actually um and also just like fear management it's like when you've been through some things that were terrifying on the wall which i have and you're like, whoo, glad I'm alive or my legs aren't broken. Um, nope. You know, it just makes, like, some of the things you go through hunting seem like child's play. Freaking sign me up, man. <laughs> sign me up for Brady, that what adventure. what are you talking about? You quit playing basketball because you're worried about getting injured playing basketball. That's different, though. That's different. <laughs> different. This is something I can control for the exactly. most part. Yeah, see, yep. Basketball, yep. when I'm playing against ex-NBA players in Vegas, I can't control that they're six foot ten and 250 and I'm 180 pounds. So you fall off the mountain and... Roll your ankle and break Not it. Not with Brad. Not with Brad. I'll be, I'll be down at the I'm bottom to catch you. Me and yeah, Joe will be at the bottom. How can we go wrong with Brad and Brady? Like, our names are very Brad similar. Double B's. Like, double yeah, B's. exactly. Yeah. I want the rope connected to me and all that shit. Me, me too. Yeah, harness. So if I do fall, I just kind of bounce around. Okay, I'm going to come down to Ve- Next time I'm in Vegas, I'll bring all the gear, and we'll go out and do, like, some, like, you know, some, like, intro rock climbing. Yeah. I'll find a spot. There's plenty of places. It'll be safe. It'll be fun. And hopefully you won't hate me when we get done with it. Like, Brad made me do this. (laughs) Well, thanks, man. We appreciate you jumping on. You know, we we carry your your gear in the the Go Hunt gear shop. Tents are available, knives, game bags. Um, You know, we we appreciate you and the partnership. And it's cool to see you guys grow and see what you're developing. And we, we appreciate you jumping on with us today. Thanks for having me, guys.